0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you all so much for turning up to Paradise Live here at the ministry. It's honestly a treat to see all of you, thank you. Um, Tonight we're gonna have a really chilled, laid back chat, that's all right with my guests, uh, about what's going on on the live and experiential uh, horizon. And later, after we've had our panel, we've got some amazing music from the artist Lozique. You don't want to miss her, she's incredible. Um, but first of all, let's kick off by asking my wonderful panelists to just introduce yourselves. Oh, hello. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. We feel very close to each other to be using we are, mics. We are, we are. It's very <laughs> formal, but go ahead.
1: And I'm pleased the, the mugs have gone and we've got glasses of yeah,
0: beer. Yeah, we're not hiding the fact that we are drinking beer on the stage, so no. just putting that out
1: there. Uh, I'm upset to see the cheap seats aren't being taken tonight. <laughs> Take them. It's, uh, there's, there's plenty of seats down the front, you know. I won't, I won't judge you. Um, uh, I'm Owen. I'm head of events at a company called Raymond Gubbe, a division of... Sony Music. Um, We're about 60 years old as a firm, so one of the first promoters ever in the UK. Um, You know, classical, ballet, opera as a heritage, very much uh, different nowadays, but still sort of look back at our heritage uh, with pride. Um, We run about 600 music gigs a year in the UK. Um, We also run a series of light trails, about 22 locations in the UK. Um, and about seven international uh, light trail uh, locations. We sell about two and a half million tickets a year. Um, so um, very much trying to hold up uh, a part of the market that has been around a long, long time, um, but evolving through the years to sort of keep our, our loyal uh, ticket holders engaged and attendees going. Um, I started many years ago at Festival Republic, so part of Live Nation. I uh, had the, the utmost pleasure of sitting with Melvin Ben for many years um, and, and learning my, my trades through uh, Reading and Leeds and Latitude, uh, Big Chill and Glastonbury. Uh, I moved on to the Olympics a few years later. Um, went through a creative agency and an artist agency, so I've kind of been around the block. i very pleased to be back as a promoter. Um, and, and, and back with classical music where are sort of trained so, um, yeah. Well
0: we're very happy to have you with us here tonight thank Owen, thank you and over
2: to you Suze, tell us about you um, so I'm Suze, um, I am the festival and marketing director at Vision9, um, so we are a festivals business, we run Boardmasters down in Cornwall every August which is a surf and music festival on the Cornish coast and then we also run NAS festival which I'm the festival director for Um, which is a celebration of counterculture, street art, skate, BMX, music, um, just outside of Bristol, that takes place in July. Um, So I started out in marketing in events about 15 years ago, I want to say, starting on Tea in the Park and working for DF Concerts up in Glasgow, who are one of the big concert promoters in the UK, Um, then had a stint at The Telegraph, uh, which was a bit of a different experience, Um, and then came to Vision 9 because I'd heard about them through snow sports um, for quite a few years, so went over there, and I've moved from marketing into festival directorial. So what you've just said
0: there, Suze, makes me think that the panel tonight is made up of people who literally do what they love. So please try not to be too smug tonight, because people might come and punch you in the face. Um, but it's lovely to have you here, Suze, and I can't wait to hear your input on the panel. Nick, over to you, our very own Paradise. Hello.
3: Um, Hi, I'm Nick, I am Creative Director at Paradise, thank you everybody for coming. My wonderful agency have put this entire event together and thank you guys for joining us on the panel. Um, I'm here to listen to you guys as much as anything, to be honest. Um, My experience is in uh, advertising and marketing, we've worked with some of the biggest brands in the world to create content, promotional merchandise, social media, strategy, brands, We've done ad campaigns with Universal NBC, BBC, Vision 9, Sony Music. Um, And yeah, I'm really interested to just have a chat about the return to live, experiential technology, all the kind of interesting stuff that I know you've got prepared for us, Emma.
0: (laughs) Oh my God, the pressure is on me. Um, Thank you, Nick. Uh, Yeah, I really wanted to just have a chance this evening to celebrate the return to live because lots of people in this room will be punters at live events and experiential events, festivals, gigs, whatever you love, whatever you go to. And the last couple of years have been really, really difficult and really tough. And the unpredictability of what's happened has been really tough for us in the industry and also for for music and events lovers because nobody really knew where they stood. So what I'd love to kick off with tonight is just to get a sense from all of you and also from a kind of branding creative perspective from Nick on what are the shit hot, really cool things going on in the live on the live horizon that you think audiences are getting really excited about. So maybe Suze could kick us off with that.
2: Um, I mean, so I think the main thing is just being able to get back together and get back in... Be at a field or in a gig venue and actually see an act live and experience that with your friends and like the atmosphere and like holding that pint glass and that whole thing. And whilst we could do that last year, that was with that, that was with some restrictions and it felt you know at times a bit strange because nobody really knew what was going to happen next. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I think the industry is pretty optimistic that we're going to be fully open this summer and that's going to continue hopefully into next winter. Um I think also it's getting back to kind of things that festivals are really great at, which is driving like societal change and tackling different issues. There's a lot of things that festivals were working on pre-COVID, things like violence against women and sustainability that, you know, we couldn't really focus on last year because we only ended up with about three months to plan our shows. But um, I know there's a, there's a lot of work certainly in the... Um, independent sectors so with Bormasters and nas we sit in the association of independent festivals which includes a whole group of different festivals in the uk and we're like actively talking about what's the next movement what's the next thing that we can bring our audiences along a journey with um but more i think it's just getting back into a field and seeing live music and being back together again
0: yeah but you actually make a really good point there because some of those issues that we've all been brought together in solidarity on, that is a genuine solidarity. And the feeling of being at a festival, being at a live event, is genuinely being part of an authentic community. And that's, that's a really important human experience of getting back out there and being in the live field, right?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that's why, you know, traditionally a lot of festivals are a first experience away from mum and dad for a lot of teenagers. Like I went to Leeds first when I was 16, I went to Tea in the Park. That was the kind of thing that we really wanted to do. And we see that on Boardmasters and NAS. A lot of our audience, sits their first or maybe second show. Um, they may not yet have gone away on like a trip to Ionapa or wherever they go now. I'm a bit older than them. Um, so, yeah, it's all about community and especially um, on certain festivals, they really nurture that community. Um, on our shows, we're very much into the action sports world, whether that's surfing, skate, BMX, um, street art. And you can see between the different audiences, like there's a there's a different vibe on site between the two the two shows. And the kids know each other, they make friends for life, they maybe meet future partners. I think, you know, we're making core memories for that group of people that come to festivals, be it young teenagers or kind of, you know, older adults into their 20s and 30s and beyond.
0: When you say older adults into their 20s... Well, <laughs> that terrifies me a You know, I work on bit. quite a lot of
2: young shows, and I'm very <laughs> aware that I am definitely not in the demographic that we're targeting <laughs> anymore. But.
0: So relieved you said that, because I was feeling incredibly old in that second. Sort of a, a uh,
1: post-exam fucking blowout. It was basically that yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's basically it. I I feel terrified for my now 19-year-old niece, which makes me feel even older when I think of her going to festivals. But it's such an important part of becoming who you're gonna become. Um, so, Owen, how about what you're excited about on the, on the horizon over like, let's say, the next 18 months or so?
1: Yeah, well, I think uh, we don't appeal to the teenagers as much. We're, we're an older audience, an older demo, but firstly, it was very humbling. Um, the, the tickets we retained during the COVID period was, was phenomenal. You know, we had sold out shows for six nights at the Albert Hall. We still had 95 percent of them at the end of it you know that's a huge uh, mark mark respect from them to support a show a community a a genre they loved um so we, we owed it to them after all of that to keep going hard christmas was difficult we pushed through that um and we kept we kept them entertained and i think entertaining the people is sort of totally at the core of what we do um how, how we go about that has to evolve, of course, with trends, with culture, but we we, we focus on that solely on any new project that we're putting out. Um, I think it's it's lovely to see the old and the new sort of cross over, and we, we're very big in film music, we have very successful brands with Hans Zimmer and John Williams brands, and um, we've now launched a new one with the help of Paradise, which is great, um, called Symphonic Universe with the music of Marvel and DC, you know, and that, that's attracting a younger audience, the new audience that we will hopefully will cherish and look after for years and decades to come, who, who you know, whose parents will take them or the grandparents will take them. Um, there's a distinct lack of uh, support in, in classical, traditional music in schools uh, and through the ages at the moment. Um, we feel as the sort of the, the largest UK promoter in that field that we have a responsibility to deliver that. Um, and and work with the orchestras, with the venues, with the people to actually sort of keep that very much at the forefront of people's music sort of repertoire in their own space and, and culturally. Um, so um, the new shows we're focusing on have more production, have more entertainment value, have more uh, modern attributes, modern sort of uh, swings on it. They have contemporary hosts instead of just the old conductor talking about it. you know, There's things, there's traits that have come through for years that are not entertaining anymore. We're aware of that, we're changing that, we're going with the times and hopefully the new shows that we're putting out this year will kind of really elevate that.
0: Absolutely. I think a lot of what you do is actually timeless and even on the light show side as well, that just appeals to such a broad audience. Um, So Nick, is it an exciting time... As a creative, as a creative agency, the agency for entertaining brands, yep. uh, to be part of that whole process of um, bringing—sorry, i was just thinking back to soundcheck and some <laughs> of the questions <laughs> yeah, that were directed yeah, right. at Nick. Then we won't, we will not go back it's not there, go there. I promise you. <laughs> um, yeah, is an exciting time for a marketeer to be uh, pushing these the new horizon of live out to an audience that is desperate to get back out there in a field, looking at a stage, wherever it might be?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think, totally agree with what the guys are saying. To come at it from a slightly different angle, I think there's two things for us. I think brands is, is another way of looking at, obviously, the festivals themselves and the fans. Um, we look at it very much from a brand perspective as well. The festivals that haven't been running... Uh, and the events that haven't been running have also massively affected a serious amount of brand partnerships so all those whether they're new brands to the market with a new product whether they're or whether they're huge brands that were looking into new tech and new technology and new experiences for audiences it's not just the live lineups that people are missing out on it's all those brand touch points and that's something we've noticed like without talking about covid too much more because it's bloody boring um it We did notice that brands missed out on all of that stuff. And that's what I'm really excited about nowadays. And as it's coming back around, um, seeing how brands and festivals are working together to create new experiences for fans. Um, I know we're going to talk about this a bit later when it comes to creative and tech and stuff like that. But I'm really excited to see what comes uh, when you're standing in a field, not just from a musical perspective, but from some of the awesome partnerships that are going to come out there from a brand perspective too.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and that that touches on what both Suze and Owen were saying. I think yeah. um, what you were saying, Owen, there about the kind of having to bring a three-dimensional experiential element into the experience for the audience, and not just here's some music, and it, very much the same in the events that you that you run, Sue's. There's so much to think the, about.
1: The, the expectation is is so much higher now, you know, than than five or ten years ago, you know. Um, some festivals can still get away with it because they've got that calibre of artists on the stage that it doesn't matter what they play or how they play it, the 100,000 people in front of them go fucking nuts, which is great, and it's great for those artists, and it's great for those people. The other artists or the other shows up and coming need to add that, that yeah. value in. They need to have that perception of, of more entertainment value than they used to get. Well,
3: um, like what Suze was saying, and probably more so for... An audience like at Boardmasters versus something like the annual classical is that for, for kids as well it's like it's the bands are great and you, you get a wicked set of headliners and, the, and that's what's selling tickets initially but for the for guys and still for me as well it's not just that headliner bit it's the meeting points it's all of the bars that you want to go and have it's picking up your vape it's there's all those kind of touch points that make a, a festival a live event experience that is, isn't just who the headliner is that day. I mean, Glastonbury's a really good example. Like, there's four of my friends in this room who are all going to Glastonbury. And uh, it's as much of a lifestyle, you know, people-coming-together experience as it is for for who the headliners are, to be fair. And I think that's something worth noting. Yeah,
0: Yeah. going back to community, I guess.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I think
2: that's what makes festival brands unique in that, ultimately, there's usually a fairly small pool of artists that are actually touring each summer. And lots of us will have the same artists on different festival bills but it's actually the the brand and the experience that you cultivate behind that that actually makes the festival so be that that you know for in our example we're on the cornish coast you can go down to Newquay key you can watch a world famous surf competition during the day you can come back up to watergate you can see some bands there's an amazing sunset um the whole vibe is very different to how you know watching kings of leon who are our headliners this year might be a, a different event and that's part of the unique thing of live right is that you can create this entire world and atmosphere that's temporary and it lasts for a few days and it's very difficult to replicate elsewhere
1: there was you know back in the day working on festivals there was this kind of uh this approach out that you know i used to turn out one of the first on site and it just used to be this huge massive field and you know not particularly good looking in some cases and you know, cows full of it or whatever. And, you know, over six weeks, you build this absolute palace of dreams for kids, you know, that come and go mad. And uh, I think that, that magical moment when they walk in the arena and go, wow, this is like, this is my home for the next three days and I'm going to see 100 bands and whatever, you know, that, that, that still is, is, is very much parent. I think. You know? It's yeah. still relevant now.
0: And it's really important, I guess, for us not to forget what the audience is looking for so what are your audiences looking for i mean we've already talked a little bit about elevating beyond just the the music or just whatever element somebody might be coming to a festival or a a gig or whatever it might be but yeah what from from what you hear from your audiences Suze, what what are what are people coming to nas and Bordies looking for
2: um, I mean, that's the question we ask eternally. In, I'm sure, sorry. Vision uh, um, <laughs> 9. Um, no, but I think it kind of, you know, it, it changes with each year to a point, but really I think it's a mix of who's on the lineup, um, whether it's got that sort of, I hate the term FOMO, but that sort of FOMO amongst their friends and their contemporaries and their peers, you know, whether it's the right, the right show for them to go to. And then what are the extra bits and pieces on top of that? So, you know, what's the experience going to be like? What's outside of lineup? What can you go and do? Like what, in our case, who are the, who are the skaters? Who are the BMXs? What does the action sports schedule look like? What have we got going on in VIP? Um, that kind of whole package. But I think ultimately your festivals, it comes down to your brand and it comes down to your lineup. And that's what will sell your tickets to your target audience.
0: Before I go on to um, Owen on that question, uh, Sue's just touched on brand there, Nick. So how important is getting the brand right in terms of telling the audience that what they want, which, my God, is the eternal question, as Sue's just said, is what they're going to get when they come to this, this event, which they might think of as an event, but we in the creative world would think of as a brand?
3: OK. A hard question. So I wasn't on list. Um, I'll give you those.
0: forty-five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Go. Where's
2: your
3: PowerPoint? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is there a screen up somewhere? There is. There, a, there is a deck, um, look, isn't the there? No, I think that's. I think that's a good question. I think. Um, from a, if I answer it from a brand or, and a creative perspective. I think it's a. There's specifics, obviously, you can't lie to an audience about what's going to be there without stating the obvious. But I think people buy into festivals, settling myself for the atmosphere, and you create a lot of that through the branding. Uh, NASA's a good example. We're working with um, Vision 9 on the, on the team at the moment about. and. and I think the first thing you almost kind of do is if you haven't done it internally or at least collaborative, collaboratively you talk about like a mood board like what does it what are the bits and what's the theme and the style that make up this brand so how are we gonna and then how does that affect your marketing and how does that kind of permeate through all of the touch points that you're going to reach that audience same for bodies bodies has a completely different demographic there's things that in marketing are going to appeal humongously differently to something like nas um, as per the sound check jokes. I've just got back from Tomorrowland Festival, and that's a prime example. Nobody oh, cares, Nick, away, nobody just, cares oh, Move on. Away,
0: away.
1: Second holiday from this year. Just
3: bloody the, Fourth holiday this week, was <laughs> it? Sorry. The, but the, the brand just, it spoke to me. It was, there was, and, and when I went there, everybody that was there was in the, in the same kind of space. It was, it was focusing on tech. It was focusing on immersive experiences. It was focusing on uh, the indulgence of NFTs. There was kind of, uh, then obviously the musical lineup complemented that, which makes it super easy to market. When you're running that, that helps inform what channels you're going to market on. It helps inform what kind of sizzle reels you're going to go for. It helps you inform your paid media spend because it just makes all of those touch points. I think the festivals that fall down are the ones that either try and please too many people or don't really have a fresh brand identity. And I think those are the ones that, well, they're brands that we'd like to speak to because I think that finding the, finding the blue water, finding that clear proposition is what sells, even, even down to um, classical. Like you know what it's you know what it is you know that and your branding makes complete in that sense you know exactly why you're going there the audience in the way it's targeted makes complete sense it sells out so I think it's I, I think I'd probably start creatively from what package are you going to put in front of that audience and how do you communicate that creatively Did Suze. I do alright with that
0: Yeah you did actually you passed that's really annoying yes. we don't want to hear about your holidays though shut up oh, shut Thank up. you
3: Bye, um,
0: Suze, I I see you <laughs> drawing the striking. mic Yeah yeah um, go.
2: Yeah, I'm just going to lead on from that. I think with I think the unique thing with live is that your brand becomes a very tangible 3D experience for a customer or you know fan, audience member to um, experience. So that it, your brand goes further than just saying, "Oh, this is our you know this is our look and feel, um, this is our ethos." You actually have to live that. So you know, how does it feel to actually enter the venue that your gig or your festival is taking place in? you know, what are your staff like? What, what drinks are you serving? What's the merch look like? How long does it take you to go to the toilet? Like all those kind of things are thought about when it's in the live space. And I'd imagine that's similar even in um, yeah. your world in gigs is like you will have a level of service that is appropriate for your, for your brand and is, and is a really key part of the experience and, and why you price your products, your tickets at that, that, that whichever price you're going for
3: just just to add on to that just because i know there's a couple of musicians in the room and i just want to play on that for a second because it's quite festival and event heavy but I, I know we've got um like danny's in the audience danny sylvia like she's a prime example of this as from an artist's perspective like when you say your festival is your brand your sometimes your band is your brand as well and it's exactly the same thing for selling uh records as it as it is for selling a festival like it's knowing all those touch points and all those kind of emotional little pieces that come out that then, when you package up your artist project—from what you sound like to how you market yourself to what your stills and your press shots look like to what type of gigs you play to all of that kind of, to your light show—it works. It works in, a, in an artist perspective as well. Um, it's just that from a brand perspective.
1: Yeah, and I, yeah. I, I think, I think it continues from different touch points as well. So from when someone's engaged with you, be it on an ad on socials, through to purchasing a ticket, getting the email back. From that ticket vendor, what does that say? How does that actually approach the person? What is what the content is on that? A week out, two weeks out, whatever it is. What are they saying to you? How are they talking to you? Yeah. What information are they giving to you when you turn up to the venue? How are you getting into the venue? Do you know where you're going? Do you know have all of that information? Because anything that's lacking on that makes the whole experience less good. Yeah, and and, and it and it adds up. You know, if there's there's queues at the bar and there's queues, at the, it, it just. Yeah. They've gone to be entertained. They've paid good money to go and have a good night out. Mm. They deserve all of that to be on a plate because that, that's now what we should be giving all of our hunters. You know, that's what they get.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, something that you were just saying, Nick, made me think of the, the old adage that I used to throw onto artists when I was doing artist PR a million years ago, which was human beings invest in human beings... And you can be an incredibly talented artist as much as you want or putting on an incredible uh, festival or one-night gig, whatever it might be. But yeah. if the human experience is shit, yeah. then the human experience is shit and they're not going to come back.
1: Yeah, I think it's, um, sometimes a, you put a load of money behind a sponsored ad and you, you really go for it on a, on a gig. Actually, the one that resonates more is after the gig, the artist posts a genuine photo from stage saying thank you to all the people that paid to come out that night. That's the one that gets the engagement. That's the one that yeah. gets all the comments, tags all their mates in. That's the one that means the most. Yeah. And actually that, that, that says a lot yeah, about agree. what we do. And actually it's about them and the show and the entertainment, yeah. not about
3: Also, else. I think it's like, I think just to clarify from a design perspective as well, like I think sometimes it's also not about the quality. I've seen that happen a lot of times it has to be really like, and I think we were talking about this earlier it can be really well we need polished stuff so like because it's a big festival or because I've got this massive act then what I need is a really polished piece of content I needed to go out 20 minutes after the act's been on we did something last year where it was, it was all about that and I remember looking at the schedule going this is going to fucking flop because you're, there's so much stuff just because you've got these big names you've got big budgets it feels like it has to do all of these things and I think what you're saying is sometimes you can just watch a DJ set and this piece of UGC is put up on that channel and it could just be a camera phone behind the dj playing the main stage just something that captures the vibe that fits with the brand of that festival and i think it does have to match that like you get a super high-end premium festival you don't see them putting up crap you should look at some of the glass and we just sticks out there just because it feels real and that's what they're all about it's real it's people they just they don't want some highly polished like crazy piece of like social media content that doesn't really make any sense doesn't feel like them right. um so they went from actually like what what's a brand or an event or an artist, or a festival, going to put out—that's always something to kind of look at from a creative perspective too. Sue,
0: I think you were hovering sorry. over the mic. I'm sorry, yeah.
2: Well, yeah. You also—you can't hide away from it. Like, all of your audience have cam- like iPhones, so uh, they're going to be posting the content anyway on TikTok or Instagram or whatever. So I think, like, as brand owners, you have to relinquish that control, and you have to also just be aware that your brand, if it's not on point, is going to go live across different social media and equally if it is on point it's also gonna go live. So your channels should be interacting with your customers in the same the same way. That's not to say we never put out anything polished, we do and quite a lot of it um we work with Paradise on. But and it is quite polished. Yeah it's quite polished. Oh, oh, it's polished? all right. It's okay. <laughs> um, but you know there's 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 moments in the campaign when we choose to do that versus when we choose to to show Things from our audience, or like things that we've taken ourselves, just enjoying the festival. I mean, that's one of the great things of working on these shows is that you also get time to to go and enjoy it yourself.
3: That's yeah. what we should do, ends That's what we should do. If anyone has, if anyone's starting an event or a festival, anyone's got an idea of something that's coming, what should do? Start it up. We we'll get two separate marketeers with all the free time that we all have. We we'll get two got separate marketeers, of and we'll start one. And all that all that team gets is an iPhone and, I don't know, like a 10-day license on Premiere Pro, and they got to set up a whole marketing campaign with a piece of crap marketing and sell as many tickets as they can. Then we'll fully do this polished video campaign, get it looking absolutely amazing, and we'll A-B test socials to see how many tickets we sell. That's a good idea. We do you, that.
0: You might be talking yourself out of a few campaigns there, Nick. Because what happens if yes. the human campaign outperforms the wanky creative campaign that the agency puts together? Shooting yourself in the foot may be... Policy is the best policy. Okay,
3: yeah.
0: Let's so, see. Or, seriously, though, I, I really agree that, and I hate to be wanky, but authenticity is so important in the, in the brand messaging, in the DNA of the brand, because it's about personality, not just of the brand, but the people that come and support the shows that you put on. so now I am going to get wanky just for a second this is the marketing just one bit of jargon that I want to throw out on the stage this evening I promise then everyone can go home no you can't there's an amazing artist today Um, love marks right this is the concept that there's an irrational support of a brand so people will literally cross the road and put their lives at risk to go to one brand instead of the one that's closer to them because they absolutely bloody love it So what is it like from an event organiser's point of view to become a love mark of an event? Suze, I'm looking at you because you look slightly excited by that.
2: Um, I mean, I think it's just such a quite a big responsibility as event organisers. And it's one of the things, it's one of like the pinch me moments when you speak to people and they they tell you that... um, Their older brothers and sisters maybe went to your festival a few years ago and they've just been waiting to be able to get their chance or you know we have people that um sell tickets for us as ticket reps and there's one girl who's been doing it for 10 years and she rules the whatsapp group that that we have for our street reps and she just you know just loves loves the festival kind of lives and breathes our brand ethos and i just think it's incredible how bought into it she is um i think one thing we saw through covid which was you know, great when we were all having quite like a hard time behind the scenes was just how loved the shows were and we were blown away by the support, you know, young people keeping hold of tickets that cost you know, festival tickets aren't cheap, it's a couple of hundred quid and they were keeping hold of them um with the hope that we would be able to run, you know, later that summer and then the hope that we'd be able to run the following year and, and I think that for anything for us is is an amazing feedback on our brand but also just kind of affirms what we do and, and you know, why we do it and it makes us very conscious of who we're running our events for the, maybe it's more so than you get in other areas where you know, you're doing product marketing or you're building products like in our, in our case the, the fans are much a part of um, our company and our, and our brands as us and they very much have ownership of it because we wouldn't exist without them
0: Oh, and
1: over to you. Oh, being a love mark. Being go on. I have to go back a few years because the, the demand in my, in my sort of current role is slightly different. You know, we do big numbers in, in different styles, but actually back at Festival Republic, when we used to launch Reading and Leeds, it's going back quite a few years now, um, in Leeds at the cockpit, the great independent venue, which sadly shut down, um, we used to have Zane Lowe and Hugh Stevens and the Radio 1 team sort of up there. We used to launch it at, like, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. I used to go live on Radio 1. We used to get on the last train home from Leeds back to London. By the time we got back to London, the whole thing was sold out. And, and we were there as a whole team on this train, like, celebrating and being really polite, I'm sure. And uh, so
0: If you were on that train, uh, I'm really sorry, uh, on uh, Owen's yeah. behalf.
1: Yeah, it was and, bloody awful. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it was, you know... Uh, it was powerful to be sort of part of that, you know. And then people like Vision Nine and other people sort of got into the market and it made it a bit tricky. Um Sorry. <laughs> not really.
3: uh,
1: but for many years, you know, uh, you know they still sort of ruled the roost on that. But um you know it's great for the industry to have more players in the market, for sure. Melvin wouldn't agree, but the uh, it's, it's great for music and great for, you know, the festival market. Um also, Can I ask a question? I know that you're sort of question mark. My God, this oh, has
0: onwards. thrown everything out it's, the window.
1: No, no, it, it, no go, it's actually over to the other guys because I'm not in that in that world as much anymore, I'm gig, gig land, which is very different. But post-COVID, aren't the brands, like, more excited, more engaged, more up for challenges change doing stuff differently because it used to be quite samey you know activations on sites were pretty standard but um you know are they are they looking in different directions now in this new crazy world we live in
0: basically Um, an iteration of my next question you read my mind i love it go for it apologies no please definitely from what we're
2: seeing they are. I mean, from our side, Fistral, which is where, so, uh Boardmasters has two sites. So we've got Watergate Bay, which is where the music is, and we've got Fistral, which is where the surfing is. I mean, that's essentially sold out that like we cannot fit anyone else in it from a brand point of view. And they're they're going for things that we you know, we haven't worked on before. There's lots of interesting pop-ups happening, um, sponsoring the different surf events, um, and then also just coming to us with ideas or looking for new things on the shows. There's a lot of interest around NAS and the action sports side and live streaming, I think with the, you know, how much things like Twitch have grown over the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, I think there's this is kind of pent up demand really to get back in front of audiences and get back to doing, you know, experiential marketing because really nobody's been able to do that in, in a kind of solid way for the last couple of years. So that must
0: excite you, Nick in terms of experiential marketing and trailblazing, uh, where events and festivals and experiential are all disrupting and trailblazing and all those kind of uh, buzzwords, in terms of the creative content that you can put around that as a creative agency must be a pretty cool opportunity.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think... Well, I guess it's good for everyone, isn't it? If brands are brave. If brands are brave and want to consistently try new stuff, then it's great for... Festivals, because you get great reviews from stuff that's on your site. It's great for fans, because they get to experience these things and immerse themselves in what brands are trying and attempting. And yeah, for agencies, production companies, creative people to be able to try and bring those experiences to life. Yeah, it's wicked. Um, I'm, I'm amazed at how... Like, we've got a few... We've, we've got a set of clients already that are doing amazing things and pushing those boundaries creatively already. And we've got a couple of just... Whether we're doing the work or not, whether we're just hearing about it through the grapevine or whether we're in pitch processes of these brands doing stuff, I'm I'm amazed at how brave brands are being. I think it's because last year was sort of back to normal but at 50%, and now it's like, no, 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 we we really want to do this now. I think some of the stuff that's exciting me is the uh, immersive experiential stuff. Um, The events, the festivals that you guys are running are already providing next level on entertainment from a visual perspective. So the stuff that we're seeing, like we're seeing brands want to try... Yeah, everything from interactive queuing platforms, to immersive video experiences, to collecting NFTs around an event, to taking something away with you and then it turning into something when you get home. All that kind of like new tech that costs, to be fair, costs a bloody lot of money. But when you see brands being brave and actually trying that stuff out, and when you see small brands who haven't necessarily got the biggest budgets in the world, but they're thinking in that way and they're wanting us to put ideas together and... That's literally what we do. When a brands come in and throw us a problem and be like, we want someone to feel like this or we want someone to act like this or we want this product to be put in this space we want people to interact with it like this, we, that's what we do. We throw it into our team and go, how can we find something that isn't already done? What isn't just a video screen with a call to action? What isn't just a piece of promotional merchandise with some kind of tagline on it? How can we actually make this something that people aren't already seeing? Some of the guys at um, Samsung have done stuff and some of the... Some of these, like, vape brands do kind of crazy stuff. I think I was, t- I, but, yeah, fourth holiday, blah, blah, blah. There's this... Um,
0: <laughs> this uh, this
3: um, NFT coming at Tomorrowland. It was amazing. You, you kind of, you tagged your um, ski pass on, the, on this kind of, like, crazy book. And then you had to go and ski around and find all of these touch points around the mountain. And then you brought it back. And then you got an NFT. And I was like, yeah, okay, it's a little bit much. And there's, like, a bunch of, you know, 4,000 drunk 25 year olds there so it's probably not going to work but the idea of it was super cool and probably easier to do at a festival than on a
0: a bloody snowboard yeah so (laughs) I think there's there's loads
3: of those kind of cool ideas that I'm I'm really excited about and I I just love when brands are brave and want to try that stuff out
0: basically brands have balls because it pays off
3: have balls yeah yeah look
0: I, I could talk to you all for days because I'm a geek about all of this stuff, but I'm aware that everyone wants to get back to the bar and we want to listen to the amazing music we have coming up. Yeah. So I'm just going to ask you one final question and within that, thank you so much, all of you, for joining me on the stage tonight at Paradise Live. Um, what You all do cool stuff, but it is really, really hard work day in, day out. I'm very much aware of that. Blood, sweat and tears. What gets you out of bed in the morning? What excites you? Owen. Let's start
1: with you. Uh, uh, People, I think, people. uh, the people I have an absolute privilege to work with, be it in my team, uh, be it on the road, at gigs, on tours, um, the different walks of life I, I come across from roadies and truck drivers through to artists and managers, agents, you know. It's everyone and everything in between. Is it's just amazing to have that diverse uh selection of people to sort of work around. Um I th- I think we're very privileged in this in this industry to have that. Yeah.
2: Totally agree. Suze, what about you? Um, I just love it. Like I went to Team the Park when I was sixteen, saw the stage being built and just thought, yeah, I wanna do that. I'll have a I'd, bit of that. How'd you how'd you put on one of these? <laughs> um and just no day is the same. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just... There's not one thing in particular. I just, I just love what I do.
0: Which is a massive privilege, and we should all remember that. Nick, what about you, apart from skiing holidays. and all the holidays yes. and yada, yada, yada?
3: I oh, stole mine, and I knew you would. Um, <laughs> no, everything needs to go. said, yeah, people, experience, all the stuff we've missed, with the inclusion of... Getting back to meeting cool brands, cool people that want to try new creative stuff out. People with big ideas, that's what... When I work in the world, I just want to do cool stuff that actually works. So, anyone that's got big ideas and wants to actually make a difference and entertain people, I'll talk about that all day long. I love it.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. UN? What gets me out of bed? Do you know what? It's a cliche now because you've all bloody said it, so I don't sound very original, but it is people... It's working with people like... Have you got
1: my cards?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Working with people like you, working with people like the people in the room who've bothered to turn up tonight. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Um, But also, you know, entertainment, which is kind of what we all work in, can seem very superficial when you work on the ground. But what we have to remember, and what I've really, really, it's really brought home to me over the last couple of years, is the universal power of music or whatever entertainment you choose, whether it's dance or whatever it might be, to bring people together. You don't need a language, you don't need a common uh, nationality, age, anything like that, common experience. That is your common experience. And to be part of that, however peripheral, massive privilege. So... Thank you to whoever made that possible. Thank you all. In about, I'm going to say 15, 20 minutes, I have no idea what the time is, we're going to be back with Lozik on the stage and that's going to be a privilege because she is incredible. So thank you all for coming. We'll see you again very soon.
2: To discover more about the agency and Paradise Talks, visit www.paradise.london.